Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about a dozen years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And this is Phil Stevens. I am a strength coach, Highland Games and powerlifting athlete. I run Strength Guild and USSF. Awesome. <sighs> and we, uh, I don't know, we got some news here. There's some things going on with you, I know. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Yeah, it's been crazy around here, man. I'm like a... This week I became a, a social media tycoon, and so I, I now have a Twitter account for my for my gym, and uh, stuff like that, and just lots of fun projects coming up. Uh, I've been landing more guests, so I think we named some last week with, uh, like I got Juliet Wind- Juliet Windler coming on, Jim's wife, Brandon Lilly, Kale Beck. Um, I got a hold of the Lilla Bridges, so all three of them, Ernie Ernie Jr. and Eric, and they want to come on. Um, Jason, I think a few more. I got to reach. I got a, a Derek Kendall um, in the future, and uh, I'm, I've got fingers out to try and get Brian Shaw on too. Okay, so that should be fun. Um, I started a newsletter, so I, um, I push people over to sign up for that. And I promise you, I mean, like I says on the poster, if you go to my my site, Strength Guild dot com, and go to the blog, the first post you'll see on there is the newsletter, or you can go to the right side and sign up for it, but. Um, I, I promise you we're not, not going to blow you up with, with BS. It'll be bi-weekly or once a month, probably once a month to start. I'm just going to send links to articles and video and whatever we find interesting, tips, whatever. So just once or twice a month and uh, just to send out everything there. So I'll have the Iron Radio shows on there too and, you know, Lifter's Corner and stuff like that and Sounds just things good. that are going on. But yeah, it's it's been crazy, but it's, it's been good. Well, you know what? I think in an age of information overload, just saying, hey, I mean, having someone that you actually trust say, these are good links. Go check them out. And, you yeah. know, if they're bogus and your opinion is bad, people will see that very quickly. You know, they'll recognize, hey, Phil's going to steer me the right direction because everything's online, of course, yeah. you know. So, yeah, that's very cool. It's like this, and, is, this is where you might want to look first. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. For those – I'm. We have a lot of listeners on our Facebook page, but there's a lot that aren't. If you're not on there, you can go. I finally got on Reddit. I had no clue what it was. and I'm I still posted... struggling with that. <laughs> I posted on there in the fitness and the powerlifting section, and all I posted was a deal for where people can ask questions for the show. So, And then we can take those. and some like I answered a couple of them online there and just typed it out, but most of them I want to take and bring here you know, to, to one of the shows, and then we can do it on the air. Yeah. So, and I, I just, if I'm doing that, I just post simply, I'm going to answer this on the air type of thing. So, and then I'll just compile a list. And every now and again, once we have 10 questions or something, then we can just do a show on that. But, uh, so go there. And like I said, it's in the fitness section or the, uh, uh, the powerlifting section. And my username, I think is strength guild uh, over there. So at Reddit, right? Yeah. At Reddit. Okay. Yeah. And so 
There's all that stuff. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter now. I don't even know my Twitter name, but Woo. I had to kill my Strength Yield. There you go. Easy enough. If you're looking for me, just look for Strength Yield or my name, and you'll you'll find me. I just friended you, Lonnie. I tweeted about us. So you know, I've tried and, to send you tweets. To... I've actually tried to say at Phil Stevens before, and there's some guys Phil Stevens prize at you. <laughs> He's yeah, like, who, who no, is this a... lawn man guy? <laughs> yeah. So well, you're on there now. You'll see me. I just have it as my gym, so it's easier that way. And then my wife can come on and put stuff too, but. Um, no, good. yeah. Real so good. I lots of fun stuff. I've been dealing with. Uh, I got another project going. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet, but uh, in the next two weeks, I'll be talking to Jim Windler, Dan John, Kelly Starrett, Ed Cohn, a um, bunch of kettlebell guys, stuff like that. So it's a busy week. I got like I got to do like nine of these next week. Skype talks. So it's it's crazy, oh, wow. but it's yeah. good. And in the meantime, I got to train all my freaking people and try to put up a new building and keep myself in some kind of shape so you know that last part's um key you know <laughs> one of my, one of the people i work with they're like oh so what are you going to do with your summer you're going to get swole again i'm like uh, my days of getting swole are kind of done <laughs> i mean as far as competitive but but the point being is yeah i got to deal with all this stuff too and you can't forget about your own training and all this you know no and that's for sure especially for me i mean one of my codes like jim when talks about his like he has his codes he follows he's like uh, five things one of my codes is you got to do what you're promoting you know so i can't totally like go like greg glassman and just sit on the couch and drink whiskey and become an internet tycoon i i right. i need to actually be training right and you know so you know, that's a good point. Honestly, with me, it's backfired sometimes. I mean, when people, they get online and they look at my competition pictures, there are some people that they feel like on the academic side, they're like, oh, what's this? Maybe he's not legitimate. I'm like, why? Because yeah. I really lift weights? You know, try yeah. it sometime. I don't know. Anyway. And that's where, what's, what's his name out of Texas A&M? Uh, Willoughby. Oh, that guy is I like Darren. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. But it was like, whoa, seeing him the first time. I met him at the Eisenstein the first time. He was like, he was the one that stuck out. With some of the comments back when I was competing, you know, from my students, I can only imagine what his students say about him because oh, you know sure. he is a large mammal and he is oh, ripped. Gosh. Like he's huge and ripped year round. And I don't yeah. just mean like a wrestler or a you know recreational lifter. He's a national caliber bodybuilder. Oh man, yeah. Hey, real quick, um, you're mentioning some people that are going to be on, um, at least tentatively scheduled. I've got, I mentioned J.L. Holdsworth uh, talking about being a, a lifter versus being a coach. That's interesting because I think he's going through that. I'm not sure how old he is, but I'm guessing, I mean, he's not a spring chicken, so maybe, yeah. you know, mid-30s. And he's probably dealing with a lot of those things that we have been dealing yeah. with probably since this show began. You know, as we get older and we kind of shift gears a little and and that sort of thing. I think it's a natural tendency to take what you've yeah. learned as a, as an athlete and then try to help other people with it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I misspoke last time when I, men I mentioned Chris Peters at Ask for Evidence that's going to come on. Uh, I said six months from now. I meant six weeks from now. So I think he's going to be July 26th. So, again, don't hold us to this, you guys. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, good stuff and, you know, a variety of topics. Thursday, I did a pre-record with Julia Leduski. And that's probably going to go up June 21st, uh, not to confuse anybody, but, you know, if you're thinking about, oh, I want that topic or that person, yeah. it helps. <clears throat> uh, and the reason for that is because the, for the pre-recording is because I'll be in Florida, so I don't have to sneak over to the corner of the hallway on the third floor of the hotel and call Phil. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just easier to, to set that up. And by the way, when I am down there, 
there's lots of guys down at the ISSN meeting that we talked about before. I mean, Mike Nelson is going to be down there. We've had Sean Casey on the show. Maybe we'll talk with Lane, Lane Norton, uh, you know, Joey Antonio, Dr. Antonio. There's a lot of really uh, interesting people down there, smart and strong guys. Yeah. Uh, so I'll try to get something on site too. I think one of the best things you can do about podcasts is on site stuff. You know, hey, I'm here on site at the Arnold Weekend or at the ISSN conference or at the Strength Guild Workshop Boot Camp. You know what I mean? These are all things that you can. I don't know. You know, people get to experience it without actually flying there physically. Yeah. Speaking of that, I do have one coming up, and I got one spot left. So I opened it up for Iron Radio. Well, the camp we did. It's like that. So I opened up a weekend package. It's June 6th, 7th, and 8th. I got one spot left, uh, if anybody's interested. I'm flying Donnie Thompson in. Um, so he's going to do one day, and then we got two days here. Jude Howell will be up and, and stuff. So if anybody's interested in that, go to my site. And it's under meets and seminars. And what is it? For the whole weekend, you're going to pay a couple hundred bucks. I think all, all inclusive, right? And uh, two twenty five. Okay. So, and you get all three days. Um, you know, you got to go to the workshop with Donnie and stuff like that. So it'll be a good time. Yeah, Jude, or if, or Jude's if you a good guy too. The, the Donnie thing is on there as well, and you can just you can get to that one day event with Donnie for a hundred bucks. So, oh, that's yeah. neat. So yeah, yeah a la so carte kind of. You got of, yeah. two choices. So yeah, if anybody's interested in that, come on, check us out. We're gonna have a good time. So. Me and Donnie are supposed to be having a pose off, so I got to break out some trunks. Oh no! Donnie's at least three fifty, so oh, it'll be a good show. No. <laughs> <laughs> when he was on the show on Iron Radio, I remember him saying something about that, and I'm like, yeah. "Oh, don't do that! <laughs> don't do that, you guys! You have a lot of muscle mass, but I don't want to see it." Okay. Yeah, so. Oh, all right. Well, all right. I don't want people to feel like it's just an ad. We're just kind of shooting the shit this morning here, but. Yeah. Let's uh, start to get into our topic, and then we'll come back after the break. But I, I want to start at least setting this up. Sure. Um, I have long thought, and, you know, th- by going th- through school and exercise physiology and nutrition, uh, some people dabble in each, but I formally went all the way through school in both. And it, I started to see connections with this stuff. And I think, you know, when I see some people on other websites uh, – like I think it was Ripito. He was he was on the T Nation website a couple of weeks ago, and he was sort of bashing academics, you know. And it's like, listen, if you really want to understand why you're showing somebody something, academics is really important for that. And Phil, I know you're a big proponent of why, uh, you know, like why do I do this? Now, the practical experience, the internships, working under famous coaches, that really helps with the how. So if you're purely academic and you've never been in the gym. You might understand the underlying physiology, but you don't know what it feels like to squat four or five or 600 pounds. You know what I mean? So anyway, the point being is going through school on these two things, I started to see a lot of similarities. So that's what I'd like to discuss today is basically do training principles apply to eating? Now, we talked about one of the training principles just recently, and that show was pretty popular. It generated a lot of comments, and that was overload. Overload is a classic training principle where you ask the body to do more than it used to, right? So let's just tackle overload before we go to break. And uh, Phil can make a comment, and then I'll make a brief comment about each of these textbook training principles. Mm -hmm. So we talked about overload, adding more weight or less rest. There's lots of ways to do that. But how would you apply that uh, to eating, 
Brentville with you or your your guys. Wow, well, that, yeah, that reminds me. I mean, I've I've just been sitting down. Like I'm in a phase where I'm eating really clean and I lost some weight, and I realize that I'm. If anybody's seen the little episode where Dave Tate talks about how he's like blaster dust, I realize that's kind of how I am, <laughs> and it works for me. But and and that's where the overload principle kind of comes in. If if I'm if I'm gaining weight or I'm having a person gain weight, I don't. I just don't believe in the one pound a week thing or whatnot. I've seen it fail way, way, way more times than I've seen it actually succeed. Usually when people do this one pound a week thing, I'm going to ease up and this and that. Six months from now, they weigh like two pounds more than they did. Yeah. Um, I really like a, you know an approach where you just go after it and you overload. And it's like, okay, I'm going to put on 15 pounds and you're doing it now um, or as fast as you potentially can. Um so you, you bring up the calories a bunch, and at the same time, you're going to bring up your training some. Um, and you just overload the system and force it to, to change. You know, you force your, you, the system to adapt to what you just did. Yeah, for me, I always think about calories first, to be honest, mm-hmm. just like you said. I mean, Rob and I wrote an article for T Nation a couple of years ago about exactly what you're saying. And I, I know our listeners who are familiar with us, they know that we're a big fan of crashing through barriers, you know, because – uh, there's not a lot of good science to suggest your body recomposes at a higher body weight, but I really think it does, and it takes months. It's not something that happens very quickly, but you eat yourself. You overload the system with calories, not just a particular macronutrient like carbs or fats, but that either, you know, just calories. Um, but if overload is asking the body to do something more than it's used to, uh, you know, you're, you can force yourself to deal with larger amounts of food too, or it could even apply to supplements like creatine loading by nature is overload you know i mean the amount of creatine in a loading dose the typical four or five day loading dose of creatine is 20 or 30 grams a day only 30 if you're a very large mammal but that's the amount in 10 pounds of uncooked steak so that is overload you know so what (laughs) your body does is fortunately your muscles do grab up that creatine especially there are a lot of if you're overloading carbs with the creatine dose it's not necessary but it helps uh, and then you can top off. You can actually force about 20% more creatine into your muscle fibers by overloading it in powder form. You know, So overload, I think, does apply to diet in a yeah. lot of ways. And now you can only overload to a certain extent. Like I think one mistake people make is they try to overload protein. Well, if I eat three grams of protein per pound, two or three, well, that's more than you can use unless you're yeah. on a lot of anabolics. Well, and the same thing with creatine. I mean, you got to remember that your bucket's so big. You can't pour 10 gallons of water into a five-gallon bucket. You know, and I see right. that all the time. I'll take yeah. 70 grams a day. It's like, right. dude, you're, you're, you got a really expensive pee. No, that's right. So. By day four, uh, if you look at the literature, something like 80 or 90% of the creatine that you're swallowing by day four of a classic load, you know, that 20 or grams or more a day, is coming out in your pee. By day five, almost all of it is coming out in your pee. You're saturated. Yeah. You know, it'd be similar with vitamin C, for example. I mean, you Mm -hmm. saturate your tissues on about 200, 250 milligrams of vitamin C a day. If you take more than that, it might be in your bloodstream uh, temporarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's a good point. Uh, You can only overload up to a point, and then there are other physiological systems that just can't, they can't process it anymore. Yeah. You know. Okay. Well, I said that's that's the first of our five training principles. We'll come back after the break. And we'll look at these other ones and see whether or not these classic training principles apply to eating.
Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, if you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99. 95 uh, cover price so that's pretty fantastic $69 I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people and you can even rent it uh, lower down the page they have 180 day rentals and one year rentals so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information so thanks Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, we are back. It's Phil and Lonnie, and we're just going to talk about training principles and whether or not they apply to eating. Uh, I was alluding to before the break that there does seem to be a lot of similarity between these these known facts about training, and then, gosh, you can apply these to eating. And you might think, well, duh, sure you can. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of nutritionists, dietitians out there who they don't think like this. Mm. So – uh, the next training principle is specificity. So to an exercise phys person or a coach, that is, you know, the physiologic systems, they adapt particular to what you're doing. You know, so if you're a runner, you can't expect to get lots of upper body muscle mass. You know what I mean? That's more cardiovascular, maybe a little bit of uh, muscle or leg density, you know, kinds of things. But the whole point is you get specific, the, the enzyme pathways, the muscle mass, the nervous system, they all adapt specific to the exercise. Uh, but what about to eating? Uh, do you think there's a way to apply specificity to eating? Yeah, I'd say yes. I mean, I, and this is something I've dealt with. Let's start broad. Um, you know, I, I've dealt with, with athletes and, and even bodybuilders and powerlifters and whatnot. Um, I've dealt with like some football linemen that want to eat like a marathon runner. <laughs> and yeah. so, I mean, you need to eat for your task. And I'd say that's specific. Like, you know, I mean, if you're a, if you're a lineman on a football team, 
don't come to me and tell talk to me about your six pack. That's not your job. That's not what you're supposed right. to do. You need to be a big mammal and you need to eat like that. And you know, on the other hand, if you're a marathon runner and you're too heavy, you need to eat for your task. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean that that's where I'd say at the broad sense. And then at the at the narrow narrower sense, I mean, jeez, uh, I th- I think you can get specific. Like uh, I have specific needs for my protein, and that's proven in science. You know. If I'm if I'm trying to get jacked and I'm only eating 20 grams of protein a day from soy, I'm probably doing something wrong. Okay, um, yeah. So I mean, I'd say yeah, you need to get very specific in choices and stuff like that. But uh, and then like you, we talked about at the break, it's uh, yeah, there needs to be some variety as, as far as nutrition goes. But yeah, to me, variety is a nutrition principle. Uh, in fact, if I could boil down almost all of nutrition into a word, it would be variety. And the reason I like that is because if you eat a wide variety of things, you go buy a different frozen bag of mixed veg every week and eat it or whatever it is. You purposely try to eat different things. Then you make sure you cover all your bases. You get all the right micro and macronutrients, but you also don't overdo it and you don't find yourself you know, almost um, toxifying yourself. I hate that word, but you know what I mean? Over consuming one nutrient, you know, because you're just living on, you know, you're eating carrots till you turn orange, literally, you know, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So variety is sort of the flip side of specificity, uh, but that's a nutrition principle that I think applies to training. You know, uh, on Thursday when we were talking with Julia, I was saying, how do you, uh, when you do powerlifting, how do you keep the variety up? You know, because as a, someone with a bodybuilding interest and background, that's always been one of the things that's harder for me to understand about powerlifters. Like I can use every machine, every, well, I don't yeah. use a lot of machines, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It, hundreds of different movements. Now I understand powerlifters get a lot of that too. You can work on weak, weak spots. Mm-hmm. You can use chains or bands. You can do all kinds of boxes. I mean, there's lots of things you can do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, as far as specificity itself, again, it's sort of the flip side of the variety principle is I don't think a lot of people realize, but your nutrient metabolism pathways and even your digestive enzymes, they go up and down depending on what you eat. Even the bacteria in your gut, the microflora, will change and go up and down depending on what you eat. Let me give you an example. If if I was just an exercise physiologist and I, I didn't understand the flip side of, you know, I think nutrition and exercise phys are sort of two aspects of the same thing too but if someone sees you dump lactate you know you do a little finger prick with a little lactate meter that's suggestive that you you're not very aerobically fit you know you start dumping lactate right away well the flip side though is that if you're on a very high carb diet for several days before you do that test you'll start dumping lactate because you've taught your enzyme pathways in your muscles to use lots of carbs Mm -hmm. so you know glycolysis is the name of the pathway of course for people who aren't familiar it runs really hard you got more of that going on because you've been eating all these carbs and you naturally dump one of its products which is lactate some people used to call it lactic acid and you dump more of that but because you've been on a high carb diet not because you're unfit aerobically so the anyway digestive enzymes go up and down the enzymes that help you metabolize fuel and provide muscular energy in your muscles, they go up and down. So you really do adapt to your diet too. It, just like you would adapt to different kinds of training, you also ad- adapt to different nutrients. So I always thought you know, there was a lot of overlap. On this variety and specific thing, I, here's a, we got a good question on the Reddit thing already. 
and it's uh, one that fits in the you know specific choices. So David Rab asks, "I love Iron Radio. I would definitely check out the new podcast." Anyways, his question is, "What carbs would we recommend specifically for bodybuilders, and if you should have them at every meal?" Oh, I think that depends on the time of the day, right? I mean, yeah. there was a lot of well, buzz about waxy maize, for example, for a while as a post workout because it's it's so high glycemic index, but it's not it's not sugar per se. You know, seeing right there, right there, that's another part of being specific that probably your average nutritionist doesn't get into is time of day type stuff. Whereas fitness people do think about that with right. pre workout and peri workout and intro workout, and yeah, I mean, the other thing I'd recommend, I don't know, I mean, I think. Your rices and stuff like that are, they're it's boring, but nobody wants to talk about it anymore. But it works, yep. you know. Have some rice. I think white potatoes got a bad name for a long time. It, sure, it depends on what time of year you're in. I mean, I wouldn't sit down to a bunch of white potatoes when you're a week out from a show, maybe. But now, um, yeah, somebody might say that white rice or white potatoes. I think they got a bad rap because they're high glycemic index for the yeah. most part. You know, they kind of rush into your bloodstream. Your blood sugar goes up. It kind of spikes. But if you've just trained, that's what you want. You know, like you were saying, exercise people yeah. are different. You've you've set off this trigger, and sometimes you want fast carbs. Uh, let me give you an example. Mm. Pure fructose has a very, very low glycemic index. It barely raises your blood sugar. But fructose has all kinds of problems with mm. it. So, again, for people who aren't familiar, there was a comment on uh, our iTunes reviews recently, and he's like, I don't understand a lot of what Lonnie says. I'm starting to understand more, but, you know, you just keep – listening to it and getting it but the point Mm -hmm. being is fructose uh sometimes in class i'll say you have a a pentagon of fructose and and when you connect that with a hexagon of glucose when you think like a chemical formula then the fructose part is the part that causes the most problem in a lot of ways and that's why people have a lot of problems with high fructose corn syrup or table sugar because it's half fructose anyway fructose has a low glycemic index but it's still bad for you in multiple ways mm-hmm. uh, and i'm not going to go on about them here but anyway yeah uh, agreed mm-hmm. so the type of carbohydrates matters a lot i'm actually i've been on a white rice kick lately and you know what if you're concerned about how high glycemic index it is i threw a couple of teaspoons of benefiber in there now you've got fibery rice with some soluble fiber it's really not that different from oats probably yeah and people always forget too all the glycemic index stuff is done on one specific food uh it's very rare that we sit down and eat just white rice you know you're gonna have white rice with some chicken or meat and this and and that changes things that's right right. because now it's a mixed meal unless you you know unless you take this mixed meal and blend it up in a blender and then throw it through the freaking spectrometer or whatever you know then you know well i'll tell you the um and that's why if if you're really interested in toying with the chemistry of nutrition sort of uh, that's why something like the white rice and like uh, something else that's very fast, it rushes into your bloodstream, very digests, moves through your stomach, gets in your blood very quickly, like whey protein. You know, so something like white, white rice and whey protein, what an anabolic bolt that is, mm-hmm. you know. And to, to do that shortly after you train, uh, if, you, if you're going to do something very fast acting like white rice or white potatoes, before you go to the gym, be careful not to do it. Like if you mistime it and you do it mm-hmm. like 90 minutes before you go into the gym, you may actually find your blood sugar's low when you're in the gym. And nobody wants to get weak and shaky in the gym because what's happened is your blood sugar is spiked and then it's sort of crashed, you know. But like you said, you just eat, add some protein. If there's some protein and fat in that meal, it just changes the whole story. Yeah. Uh, but you can specifically choose fast whey powder 
and a fast carb like a white rice or a brown, you know, white potato. And you could, you know, not add other things on purpose. That's not very natural state of being, but it's a way to, yeah, specifically choose something for the time. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, David, I hope that helps. I mean, it's kind of broad answer there, but I mean, it's a broad question because, I mean, we don't know what would we recommend for bodybuilders, what bodybuilder, what time of the year, this and that. But, you yeah. Know, well, the tried and true with know. bodybuilders is slower acting carbs like oats. You know, yeah. I mean, I eat lots of oats. I still do. Uh, oats and veggies and fruit. Veg. And... Yeah. Yeah. So. so. Okay. Uh our next training principle is reversibility. So this is the use it or lose it principle of training. Uh, and everybody knows about this, right? I mean, if you are, if you're a bodybuilder uh, over a period of several weeks, you stop training, you atrophy. You know, that's a classic example of the reversibility principle. Uh, what about applying that to diet? Any ideas? Yeah, well, I mean... You could even argue that reversibility, like me going from a time of year where I'm trying to be gain weight and be over 280 to going to a time of the year like I'm in now where I'm walking around at 250, uh, you know, that's reversibility, you know. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I changed my way of eating. And I'm, I've kind of reversed what I've been doing, and I definitely see uh, side effects to that. Like squatting now is like I'm, I'm hitting like 80 percent, and it's tough. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. compared to what it was when I was 280. But I know, I mean, and that's that's hard on me mentally. So I have to keep it in my head that I know, okay, once I get back to eating, it's going to be there. You know, so I, I just try and keep a baseline of, of, of physical activity. Like I, I've got to be able to do this. Um, I, I don't I just ignore PRs. And it's like I know I'm not mm -hmm. going to be going for one for a while because you expect your body to reverse. Right. Yeah. Right? But I mean, jeez, it, it, I mean, my I'm, I'm not young. I'm getting older, and I can't like, I can't push year round all year every year anymore. I've got to take these times to heal up and have a break mm -hmm. to give myself another blast up, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely, if you quit eating, you're gonna get smaller, you know. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people they think about if I quit lifting, I'll get smaller. But if you stop force feeding, and we've talked about this before, you cannot eat based only on your hunger level if you want to be pushing for mass you've mm -hmm. got to eat a ton you know regularly often you know more than i mean no, i'm not telling anybody to eat until they're sick that's stupid but you got to push it you know just like you push heavier weights in the gym you got to push more um you know with the on your plate but yeah that does reverse for me a lot of this is with dieting when it comes to stuff like um fitness competitions or bodybuilding is there is a lot of reversibility principle here because if you, for example, and this kind of blurs with the physiology, like I said, nutrition and physiology are so linked, but when you um, cut your calories, you know, progressively, like you pull 50 grams of carbs out a week over so many weeks, or however you're going to do that, um, eventually your systems are going to slow down. You know, you'll have less T3, which is the more active thyroid hormone in your body and things like that. And then your body's going to want to reverse that temporary state, you know. So people talk about metabolic damage, or I think sometimes they erroneously talk about uh, adrenal fatigue. That gets a lot of unfortunate lip service in our field, and I I'm not sure that's real in the way people think it's real. Uh, but the point being is um, bodily systems, even uh, with nutrition, will reverse, yeah. And so when you when you force your systems to adapt – 
so let's say you, you force yourself to become a better and better fat-burning machine over time uh, because you're eating more fat <clears throat> and you're exercising in a certain way. That will reverse when you stop the stimulus, right? I mean, it only makes sense. I think it's a good thing um, that there's reversibility. Like you said, it gives you a chance to heal up. It lets the body swing back. You can't keep pushing and pushing. Um, something will give, you know. Yeah, I, and, you know, that's the whole premise. I joke and say I do my biannual diet <laughs> or my biannual cut. Yeah. And But, I mean, it, it's for reason, too, because, I mean, if I push the foods I'm eating to stay that heavy forever, I'm going to end up being a freaking diabetic. <laughs> right, yes, and right. And so I take these breaks, and, I mean, I will reach a point where I can cram in a bunch of sugar, and now I don't notice a dip, that much of a difference anymore. So my insulin resistance is all jacked up. So I take these four to six to eight weeks, and I eat very low carb and clean, nothing but veggies and stuff. And then when I come back and add that back in, I, you know, I've reversed that, and my body is now adapted back to where it was before. Now I take in, you know, I slam a Gatorade and a donut, and I'm all jacked up. You know, so I've reversed. <laughs> I've reversed that. Yeah. And I've, I've gotten that ability back to where now, okay, I can use carbs again. Yeah, yeah, as a tool. So I think a lot of people look at reversibility as a bad thing, uh, but I think yeah, it can be good because the human metabolism. The good thing about the human machine is that it adapts. You know, it adapts to the environment based on your genetics and your lifestyle and all this sort of thing. And yeah, so having an ebb and flow across the mesocycles of your year, like you were saying, a biannual diet. That mm -hmm. sounds like a good principle most powerlifters could probably use, you know, because yeah. you look at some of these guys and, you know, they're the ones that are more on the, I would say, sumo wrestler look <laughs> side. Mm -hmm. And I'm not denying they have tons of muscle mass. Great. You know, maybe that's their goal. Yeah. Uh, but I think for general health or even for the next push forward, yeah, let things reverse a little, mm -hmm. you know, and you can do that with, with the way you eat too. So, <clears throat> yeah. All right. Um this next one we've talked about before with training is diminishing returns. So this is number four, diminishing returns. This would say the textbook uh, definition that the more advanced you get, the less magnitude of response from your body you should expect. Mm -hmm. uh, so a classic example would be that it would be folly for Phil, Phil to have a goal of putting 100 pounds on his deadlift. You know what I mean? That's not going to happen. I mean, no offense, brother, but, you know, <laughs> probably not going to happen in the next, you know, meso cycle. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with a novice person, they might put 100 pounds on their deadlift over the course of their first or second year. You know what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. diminishing returns. Um, can you think of any ways that applies to diet? Why the further you push something, the more advanced, the less you get out of it? Oh, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't that way, then we'd see a ton of those people that are like a thousand pounds, you know, whereas we see people that push and eat way too much all the time and they'll reach a certain weight and just stay there. Your body again adapts. You know, when I start eating my way up again, I will probably hit 270 fairly fast. Mm -hmm. And then my body's going to say, whoa, you know, it's going to catch up. My metabolism my metabolism's going to be revved up. And those next 10 pounds are going to be a lot harder to gain than those first 20. You know? Right. So, so yeah, let me clarify I mean, that. So what you're saying is that last 10 pounds, you might have to eat a lot more just to keep making half the progress. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, for me to get – I finally got to like a solid 280 before my last meet. And literally I had only seen that one time on the scale for a day. 
mm-hmm. and I was able to finally get there and stay there, and that took me freaking years. So, I mean, it, gaining massive amounts of weight, and especially if you're trying to do so in muscle mass, it slows down your body. The human oh. body doesn't want to be big and jacked. No. You know, it just doesn't. You know, uh, so. Phil, Rob and you and I have all said this before, uh, but we all carry more body weight than Mother Nature wants us to carry. Oh, like, yeah. if we didn't lift weights and force feed, you know what I mean? And as I get older, I'm trying to trim back on this, but I'll give you an example. Like, it's very easy for me now to get, I don't know, to weigh 205, mm-hmm. maybe 210. But when I was bulking up, uh, the last time when I competed was what, oh, 2011, I think, uh, to get up to nearly 230, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where I started feeling like, you know, Rob always complains about how much he's even in the bathroom, you know, because <laughs> what goes in the front's got to come out the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it sucked. I mean, at that yeah. point, you might think, oh, brownies, you guys, are, that's all just fun. It's not as fun no, as you think not. at some point, you know. Uh, so I, I honestly was going to offer diminishing returns would be the other way around is the leaner you get, the harder it is. Like you've only got so many options to keep getting leaner. You know, you could do more lifting, you could do more cardio, or you could cut calories more, carbs, if you will. But the the closer a man gets to 5% fat, and the, maybe for a woman it might be 12% fat, you know, um, the harder it is to keep moving forward you know what i mean because bodily systems start to slow down your metabolism will slow down because you have less you know thyroid activity and that sort of thing so diminishing returns happens on the leanness side just like when you were saying on the bulking side Mm -hmm. the closer you get to extreme yeah the you boy you start inching forward by you know not even inches centimeters yeah your body wants to be average. It really does. I mean, I was amazed at how fast when I started this little diet that I dropped from 280 to, to 250. Oh. It was, I mean, it was like, wow, it was shocking to me. And I had to start eating more to stay at 250. Um, right. You know, so, yeah, I mean, your body seeks this this average or this set point. You know, luckily now my my set point's higher than it used to be. But, um, no, if I, if I relax, I'd be walking around at freaking 235. You know, it's no, a good which point. Is still big, but no, it's. I think it's a good point. That's why I think our mantra is crash through barriers and get up to a higher body weight. If you're fatter than you like, hold it there for six months. Now, don't just hold it there and drink beer and eat pizza. You know what I mean? But <laughs> train hard at that higher body weight. You know, there's no question, Phil. When I graduated from high school, you know, I'm not a really big person. I think I weighed like 160 pounds, soaking yeah. wet. And now it's nothing for my body to weigh between 200 and 210, yeah. you know, at 5'9". Um, I'm not as lean as I want to be right now, but it's not really one of my goals. But the point being is my set point is clearly about 50 pounds higher, mm-hmm. you know. So the when you can do that, when you can reach a new body weight and hold it, yeah, you're actually getting around this diminishing returns principle a little because then it's not as extreme for me to weigh 215 or 220, you know what yeah. I mean? Because my no, body I mean, used to be bigger. Totally. The, the the most recent one of those I've had around me was with my wife. Um, she was a mar- she was an ultra marathon runner background, so that's you know running a hundred miles. But and she got into lifting and you know took up Olympic weightlifting. And one of her goals was she wanted to squat three fifteen, and she weighed like one hundred and thirty five pounds when we got married. Over the next two years, we literally trained and ate her up to one eighty five. Yeah. So she gained 50 pounds and she hit 320 
on squat. And then she's like, man, I'm, she was totally like miserable up there. Now we cut body weight down. Uh, she, she lost almost 40 pounds and we've hit 315 at a lower body weight now. But how we got there was we, we blasted up first, you know, and she took that year of, you know, uncomfortableness to now be able to do that at a comfortable body weight, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's what people forget. They don't, I hated the the fact that people forget that they think something is permanent. You know, oh, oh yeah. God, I, you want me to gain weight? Yeah, gain weight for a year. You know, if you want to make it somewhere, you don't have to stay there. If you hate it, change. Yeah. You know, it's not that freaking hard. And Well, that's almost back to that reversibility thing in that it's always amazed me when I do weight management clinics that people think they can pay their dues for six weeks, you know, drop a mm-hmm. bunch of weight quickly, and then somehow magically keep this new... leaner or smaller body your body just adapts to its environment and so if you go back to eating cookies Mm -hmm. and brownies guess what you know you're going to go right back you haven't paid your dues and you get to this reward of a new body forever that's an asinine Mm -hmm. concept the physiology changes it's adaptable but that's good unlike a car's engine that doesn't you know we can we can change the machinery um no and that's yeah definitely i mean and that's why i hate the you know, I like eating. I don't like dieting. I like training. I don't like exercising. You know, you've got to pick. The, if you want to keep something for a long time, you've got to make a dedicated effort to just stick to it. It's going to be something you do forever. Yeah. Um, Even but, if I mean, you get diminishing returns, right? Yeah. You actually like that doesn't stop you from continuing to train. You're like, oh, I can only put. I'm barely going to inch toward. You know, let's say a 780 deadlift. I'm just randomly pulling numbers, but the point is. That would be exciting to you because you're still inching forward. Yeah, you yeah, know. exactly. And I mean, but I mean, this whole adaptability too is great. I mean, for for like me to lose weight, if I go, you know, from essentially zero cardio to hey, I'm going to start walking two miles, I start shedding weight like crazy because I'm very, I'm very poor at it. My, you know, my bodily system is is shocked that I'm doing this stuff, and so I'm I'm a very inefficient at cardio which makes my body use a ton of fuel to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's times that, that you go through that. And, I mean, even in training, it's I have people, we go through phases, especially my Olympic weightlifters, where we'll kind of do deconditioned training. Our, our training, the intensity and the volume goes way down for, for weeks. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden we blast again. And, you know, we'll jump through a we'll, – will make good progress because you're, you're shocking your body again. Yeah, and I think the yeah. same thing can be said with food. You know, the amount yeah. of calories or protein that you're consuming, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. All right, last one, a last training principle, individual differences. So this training principle says that one person might make gains or actually lose their gains differently from another person. Do you think individual differences applies to nutrition? Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... Um, what is it you've mentioned before that's going to be like the next round? Genomics or whatever. I think oh, it's going to be huge yeah. in nutrition. I mean, there are people like I handle a very low carb diet very well. I have clients that don't. Um, part of me thinks that is 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 actual genetics, and part of me thinks that they're just being a freaking sissy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that people people think, oh, d- dieting. Sorry, it ain't going to be easy. Just like gaining weight ain't going to be easy. You've got to, it's going to suck a little bit and you've just got to put up with it. But no, I think there are people out there that will handle different foods better. Um, there are definitely people out there that just stay leaner 
than than others. You know, I'm not one of those people that is just super lean all the time. If I'm going to make progress, I'm going to carry some body fat more than others. Um, yeah. And there are people that just, yeah, like I said, I mean, there are some people that, that I've seen, especially younger guys that can just cram in whatever they want and it comes on good weight. Well, you know, I think <clears throat> that's where performance enhancing drugs create a lot of individual oh, differences. Because yeah. what you're doing is you're taking, yeah, the the let's say somebody has a genetic makeup where they're a much higher testosterone male. A lot of people don't realize, but the amount of testosterone from man to man varies hugely. Uh, and you can't just look at something like baldness to determine that, although it, it's part of it maybe. But um, So, yeah, performance-enhancing drugs is the kind of thing where, like you said, you can you can almost starve yourself to get lean and it will work better, you know, because it'll hold on to your muscle mass more. Or you can eat ridiculous amounts of food without getting fat. Like once I start getting over 220, I just start getting fat. You know what I mean? It, it's hard to do that. Now, if there was a lot of growth hormone in the picture, that wouldn't be the problem. <laughs> but yeah. any anyway, so these are, I think in a lot of ways, performance-enhancing drugs just exaggerate hormonal individual differences in people. Um, but you're right. I think the whole concept of nutrigenetics, you know, is that you've got a blueprint and some people are much more prone to, let's say, poor carbohydrate handling in the diet, like diabetes. And other people, that's just not an issue. You know, I mean, some people actually, I don't know if listeners know this, but there's even a nutrigenetics issue with fish oils. Some people respond, they have the blueprint to respond to fish oils. Their blood cholesterol and blood lipids change very differently from somebody else. So the further research goes, the more I think we're going to have to start saying that, you know, fish oils do this or caffeine does that in not just in men or women, but in people with this or that genotype. You know, mm -hmm. people that carry this gene respond like this. I mean, there are even creatine non-responders where they take creatine and almost nothing happens. And, I mean, you you might have seen this too, Phil. I'm thinking of a, one mm -hmm. individual in particular. My my brother used to say, poor bastard's got no receptors. But this guy was on all kinds of gas, and he would barely change at all. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh. So clearly, yeah, I think the genetics thing is part of the individual differences. And I don't want to be too biological either because there's a social aspect and a psychological aspect too like you said some people are sissies it's mm -hmm. like okay you're being a sissy right now and i think that's why having a coach is helpful yeah. you're you know you can identify somebody like no we've really tried this um when when i feed you lots of carbs you just get a spare tire and you, you're no thicker through your shoulders mm -hmm. you know that's going to be suggestive as opposed to you may see somebody as a coach and say listen my neutral third opinion here third party opinion is that you're being a sissy right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I hate it when they come. People come to me. It's like, yeah, the diet got kind of hard, so I quit. Really? Come on. Yeah, exactly. You know, you've got to see something out for at least a couple weeks, buddy. Yeah. You know. And some people no, diet. I was really hungry. <sighs> I always struggle with this because there's no doubt that some people benefit from dieting better than others. You yeah. know, uh, when they cut their calories or cut pull their carbs, they lose a ton of body fat and their muscle doesn't go away very much. Other people, they just fall apart. You know. Yeah, but life isn't fair. You know? No, I know that, and that's why I think it's good to go with your strengths. And I mean, you can work on your weaknesses, but you know, like you said, you one of the reasons you like deadlifting is you're good at it. Yeah, you know, and that kind of thing. And one of the reasons that I think I liked bodybuilding is that genetically I was good at that. Now I was only a light heavyweight, so I'm not this massive guy, but I have little joints. I mean, there was one point in grad school my legs were only half an inch different from my waist girth. 
Yeah. You know, I had 28 inch thighs and a 28 and a half waist. Yeah. And, you know, so I went with what I was good at. I mean. Exactly. And for me to do that, I'd have to have like 75 inch thighs. <laughs> It'd be absurd. Because <laughs> uh, of the power belly. <clears throat> yeah. So. Anyway. Um, uh. Yeah. So individual differences was our last one. The summary here then is that I think a lot of these classic training principles do apply to diet. And if you're thinking about a diet, choosing these five principles, and there are others, might help you eat more wisely. You know, when you think about overload, specificity, reversibility, diminishing returns once you start really getting extreme, uh, and individual differences, those help you not just think about your training uh, and tweak your training, but they also can help you think about and tweak your diet. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Oh, hey, I wanted to say one last thing. Uh, yeah. I discovered, people know I have a affinity for coffee. We went to the local um, Middle Eastern grocer, and I'm drinking this stuff called Najjar, I think is how you say it. It's N-A-J-J-A-R. Um, it's almost like an espresso powder. I am digging this. So here's a fun tip for the week. If you really like coffee as your part of your pre-workout ritual, and coffee has some real benefits over stimulant tablets in a lot of ways um, because coffee can actually help with glycogen replenishment and carb handling in the long haul, whereas stimulants interfere. But anyway, um, Cafe Najjar, it looks like. Uh, go pick up some exotic coffee. Go to a foreign uh, grocer and see the way that some other culture drinks coffee because this stuff is rocking. So, anyway. I uh, just want to shoot it out there again. Come and join the newsletter, man. So, strengthguild.com. Join my newsletter. Let me send stuff to you. And, uh, <laughs> and t- until next week, like I said, I th- Brandon Lilly hopefully is on next weekend. He said he would be. And I'm, I'm interviewing Ju- Juliet uh, this week when we'll put her on at a later date. I'll remember the date we, we picked out. But, All right. Uh, yeah, lots of good stuff coming up. So keep questions coming in, and uh, we'll keep stuff coming out at you. Hey, sports nutrition fans. Join us in beautiful Clearwater Beach, Florida, June 20 and 21, for the 11th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo. You'll learn the latest, greatest sports nutrition from the best minds in the business. Some of our speakers include Juan Carlos Santana, Dr. Mark Tarnopolsky, Gina Lombardi, and many, many more. You'll learn about intermittent fasting, how to exercise to offset poor eating, and also nutritional strategies for maintaining or gaining muscle mass. But the best part is you'll get to rub elbows with the best scientists in the business. The ISSN, why would you go anywhere else? Go to www.theissn.org for more information. That's www.theissn.org for more info. See you there. Hey, this is Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm here to tell you about some of the cool new stuff us guys at Iron Radio are bringing your way. Thanks to our loyal supporting members, we have enough cash flow to start migrating to Lipson, arguably the premier podcast host, and one that serves up some very high-end shows and tools. The change will start slowly with a little backup page that can be found right now on the Lipson website. 
This means our occasional server errors cannot keep the show out of your hands. But as we move more and more content over to the new server, it is going to allow us to do a couple of brand new things. First, we're planning an Iron Radio app for iPhone and Android. Believe it. If you're not sure what RSS feeds are or how to describe in iTunes, apps are a very simple way to get our content, either to by downloading it or even streaming it through the app on a phone or tablet. Even better, you'll occasionally see a little E on an app link that means there's extra content you can access for that show. For example, we can add extended audio to a show or even pics like wallpapers or sciency graphs that support what we're saying. The iPhone app even has a search feature. Want the show with Eddie Cohen right now? You'll be able to grab it quickly. Second, you'll see an improved media player on www.ironradio.org. You can download or listen easily right from the home page with no other windows or pop-ups necessary. Third, and maybe best, we'll be adding all new bonus content. Behind the scenes, special interviews, audio articles delivered from co-host personal libraries, on-site coverage, editorials, rants, bloopers, and more. The growth of the show and the new functionality does come with some cost. Starting in June, episodes older than a year, 50 shows will become premium content. There are several reasons for this. For one, serving audio to our growing listenership through a big boy system like Lipson costs a bit more. Second, our RSS feed service called FeedBurner has a limit limit, so this will keep us from having to drop early episodes one at a time as new ones come out. In fact, here's a tip. If you want all the old episodes at zero cost, download them before June 2014. We're telling you now because that's how we roll. So how does premium content work? You pick up an inexpensive subscription at my.lipson.com, which gets you every Iron Radio episode plus new bonus content that no one else can hear. These subscriptions are very cheap and can be gotten monthly, yearly, etc. Quit when you want. Further, if you're a current supporting member through PayPal, we appreciate your ongoing support. Free new content each week is possible because of your dedication. You help thousands of young lifters, or anyone, get news, education, and entertainment that they otherwise might not get. Simply email me through the ironradio.org homepage and our web guru Lonnie will buy you a year's membership on my Lipson as an iron brother or sister. Finally, let me reiterate, as we grow, we want to keep new episodes free forever while providing better services and content for the whole Iron Army. Thanks 50 times for your ongoing support. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the iradio.org store. Uh, We also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, 
and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.